BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now, as he does each and every Wednesday, is Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Earlier in the festivities, we went over some backup quarterbacks we liked and power ranked them. We do have a lot of backups who will be playing this week, and I'm curious if there are any you would back maybe to cover the number, maybe even win their respective games outright. Which backup quarterbacks are you tailing this week? Yeah, the, the beautiful backup bowl in Chicago. You got Brian Hoyer against Tyson Bajant. That'll be a, a privilege for all, for all in attendance. I mean, look, I think Brian Hoyer uh, is a classic case of how big of a downgrade is he really from a Jimmy Garoppolo that's been dealing with some nicks and bruises throughout the season. He's an established veteran. He's played in that system with Josh McDaniels for – I don't know, half dozen years. Um, and, you know, he's a classic stay on schedule, get the ball to Devontae Adams, get it to Jacoby Myers, Michael Meyer coming on a little bit last week. You know, I, I think he's going to look good in that game and, you know, a little revenge game for him in Chicago as well. Uh, he's probably a backup that I, I view as a small downgrade over the starter. Oh, man, I, I enjoyed taking a look at uh, some of your ideas with the trade deadline approaching over PFF.com. People should check it out. Uh, and I want you to go over some potential landing spots because we keep hearing, oh, Cousins. Cousins is a guy that's brought up everywhere, but you bring up some other names that I find pretty interesting. Did you just throw in Jerry Judy to the Panthers to piss off Steve Smith? Because I, I do need that because he would snap. He would snap like he did uh, last week. But uh, talk about some of these uh, projections or ideas you threw out there. Yeah, look, I had a little bit of fun with that one. I, I can't lie to you. But uh, look, I mean, Carolina needs another wide receiver. Adam Thielen has been playing great football. He's also, you know, 33 years old. So um, you look at the rest of the receiving core, none of those guys are grading at least at a 60. They're all, you know, below average players right now. And yes, the season's somewhat lost in Carolina, but you want to build confidence with Bryce Young. I think he has played better the last two weeks. He has the Alabama connection. And for me, most importantly, I mean, Judy is a guy that can actually separate early on in the shot clock. And that is what Bryce Young needs right now. DJ Chark is your downfield threat. Thielen is playing well, but, you know, can't quite separate like he did for years in Minnesota. So, yeah, ha having a little fun with that one. But I think it is an actual need for Carolina. And I think you can buy low on Jerry Judy right now. Denver's not getting a first-round pick for him. It's just not the reality of the situation. And maybe Carolina jumps and, and gets that DJ Moore replacement to a degree. And Judy was good last year. I mean, I put it in the article. He was top 15 in yards per outrun, mm -hmm. yards after the catch per reception, top 20 in receiving grade. He still is a good player. He just needs a new start. D-hop to the Chiefs. That'd be fun. You put that one. I think there. that one. Look, I think D Hop went to talk to all the contenders. They refused to give him the contract that Tennessee actually gave him. And I think now he's going to try to just push his way back to one of those contenders after Tennessee gave him a nice $10 million signing bonus. I think that one's <laughs> actually pretty realistic. Maybe unlike the uh, Jerry Judy to the Steve Smith Panthers. <laughs> what was your reaction? To Julio signing with the Eagles, maybe some veteran presence, not the guy he used to be, but maybe he can give them some big yard plays here and there and they'll be like, hey, this this worked out well for us. Yeah, I love it because I do think, you know, unlike Tampa last year, like the, the Eagles are not going to press him. I think he's going to come in in certain situations. You use him. I mean, obviously, if an injury happens, maybe he plays more. But I think they go to him and look, it's a veteran locker room with guys that 
understand their roles. Guys like Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox say, hey, Julio, we might play you 15 snaps a game, but you're going to chase for a ring. You're going to play in high leverage situations. You know, he knows A.J. Brown, has the Alabama connection to Devontae Smith. Like, there are so many, you know, kind of connections here that make a whole lot of sense. So, I like it. Is he going to be an impact guy? Should you put him on your fantasy roster? No. But he'll have a couple highlight plays, a couple splash plays here and there. And I just like the fit in that. They have two clear-cut top receivers. He's not going to be asked to do a whole lot, but could make some big plays in key moments. You mentioned D-Hop already, but let's talk about the Titans in general. Do you feel like that this team should be tanking this season? I know in the article you mentioned Ryan Tannehill's potential trade option, but I wonder with the Titans, when nothing is going right, and there, there were already conversations apparently in the offseason about trading away Derrick Henry and things like that, I wonder if the Titans are in a position where they do need to hit the reset button. And if that's the case, I'm seeing 42 to one as the Titans to have the worst record in football. Is that intriguing at all? You need to hit the reset button. Oh, look, I think the new general manager and Rand Carthon probably wanted to do that even more this offseason than they actually did. And they did it a little. But I think Mike Vrabel said, look, I can squeeze every last drop of talent out of this lineup um, and, and win some games. And he has done that to a degree already. But at this point, with Tannehill now injured, you know, you have two backups that you clearly don't have a lot of faith in, in Malik Willis and Will Levis. Probably the worst offensive line in the NFL, not good pass catchers, even with DeAndre Hopkins, who has played some good football, and the defense is banged up and just not getting home on the quarterback like they had in years past. So I think they need to tear this thing down and get as many draft picks as they can. For some good players, you know, I put Kevin Byard to the Philadelphia Eagles, which is also a trade I actually love and think makes perfect sense for both parties. Um, yeah, they, they have to do it if they're smart. I think maybe they do finally consider it once and for all. I don't hate that bet. I mean, I, I am scared of Mike Vrabel, you know, with, with an XFL roster, just pulling like three or four wins uh, out of a rabbit's hat somehow because that's what he does. But but talent-wise, they're as bad as anyone in the league. Under 61% this year. Everybody in the space is talking about them. Now we've got, what, five, six games this week in the 30s. There's only two that are cons- – now if 45 and up is like, whoa, that that's a high total. Is this going to continue? There's a lot of different reasons why this has been happening. But uh, are, are these totals, as low as they are, still bettable to the under? 100%. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple divisional matchups in the, the high 30s that I still like. I mean, Atlanta and Tampa Bay, I hopped on the under 40 as soon as it dropped. I want to say it's 38 and a half now. I still like it. And then Washington, New York. You know, those defenses are, are playing some better football now, particularly with the Giants. They have uh, have given some good efforts the last couple of weeks. And, you know, we know the Giants offense isn't going to score. They haven't scored a touchdown since week three in the third quarter. So, you know, a little bit of fear there with the commanders on offense. But both of those matchups, you know, like you said, in the 30s, I still think you can lay money on the under. I think this is going to continue. I really do. I wonder the next time we see a total in the 50s, you know, we had Dallas, Los Angeles, didn't even come close. And it's just a simple trend of, you know, sack rate is up a 15-year high, touchdown rate is down a 15-year low. Like, these defenses are just taking away explosives, and there are very few offenses in this league that can sustain 10-plus play drives, take the seven-yard chunk gains and work their way down the field without taking a sack, without throwing an interception, and making that drive-crippling mistake. It's unfortunate, you know, it's going to lead to some ugly football. But, yeah, I I think it is going to continue. I think scoring is going to be down pretty much the rest of the year. Maybe later on, you know, some of the good offenses will emerge. But, but yeah, I I don't see an end anytime soon. 
Thursday night football, Jags won one and a half point underdogs at the Saints. The Saints, well, they've actually got the seventh best passing defense when it comes to DVOA. And then, of course, we've got Trevor Lawrence, who's a little banged up. Anything, not really <laughs> looking forward to this one, but anything you like here, Brad. Yeah, my favorite play here is when you look at Trevor Lawrence this season throwing the ball in, in two seconds or less. Uh, Evan Ingram has 23 receptions. And no one else on the team has 13. He has more than 10 catches uh, than any other receiver. You mentioned the Saints are phenomenal uh, in coverage. They have great outside corners. Alante Taylor, a good slot corner as well. I think if you get some safety or linebacker matchups with Evan Ingram, but also just the, the fact that Lawrence looks there early in the shot clock, and he's going to, I think, have a very similar game script to the Atlanta Falcons game where he never held on to the ball he never threw 10 plus yards downfield because they didn't really trust the offensive line this time around they don't really know about his knee you know was wearing a brace in practice yesterday so I think he does probably play but I think they get the ball out lightning quick and I think Evan Ingram is the guy he targets I haven't seen a number yet uh, it's probably I would guess it's gonna be four and a half receptions he has four catches in every game this season, um, and I think he will get over that four-and-a-half number. I, I imagine that's where it lands. I'm going to be so tempted to take the Calvin Ridley under again because I'm just done with this Jaguars offense altogether. It's just not at all exactly what I was anticipating. My priors are completely blown up. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, Dolphins cornerback, uh, is returning to practice today uh, per sources from Cameron Wolf. Uh, he won't play on Sunday night football against the Eagles, but how big of an impact can he be for this Dolphins defense uh, where a lot is expected because the offense scores so quickly? Massive. It's massive because this defense is talented at all three levels, but they've so far been a perfect example of the weak link nature of defense where, you know, even undrafted guy from last year, Kato Coho is playing well, Xavier Howard's still a good football player, but you have Eli Apple and some other corners and, and those guys are just getting picked on routinely. So, you know, I like Ramsey also because I think he'll play in the slot. I think we'll see him play in some like, you know, uh, like big nickel or, or, or dime packages with a bunch of safeties and he's going to be moved all around the formation. I think when Vic Fangio made this move to get Ramsey, he wants to use him in a million different ways. I think the combination of him, Javon Holland in the in the, in the secondary, uh, with Deshaun Elliott playing good football as well, I think it makes a really big difference. He's also an underrated, phenomenal open field tackler. You know, it likes to come down in the run game and get dirty. I think it's going to be a huge impact to this Dolphins defense, which, which has not been good so far this year. Brad, over the last month, it feels like on a weekly basis, there's a new hot team that everybody's talking about. Of course, last week it was San Francisco. You go back to Miami after their 70-point win. It was Buffalo after they take down Miami. All those teams, they lost the next game. It feels like this week it's the Lions. Everybody's talking up the line. Hey, nobody's talking about how uh, the Lions are almost undefeated look at the lions dan campbell coach of the year aiden hutchinson nobody's talking about what about golf what if they end up with a great record why aren't they talking about him for mvp great offense look at the numbers the matches all that so they're an underdog on the road it was two and a half sharp money immediately bumped that to three what do you think about uh, detroit at baltimore this weekend I knew where the question was going, maybe three words into the sentence, and I, I hear everything you just said, and, and I also respect, I know one of the, the sharps, so to speak, that pushed it out to three, I respect their work, they do good work. All of that said, um, I'm taking Detroit plus the field goal here. Um, look, I, the Baltimore Ravens are a good football team, you're flying back from London, you have played so far this season. 
CJ Stroud in his first NFL game without four starting offensive linemen. You played an injured Joe Burrow. You played Gardner Minshew, Dorian Thompson Robinson, Kenny Pickett, and Ryan Tannehill. It's probably the worst slate of opposing quarterbacks any team has faced in the NFL so far this season. I like Baltimore, but I think that is juicing their defensive numbers a good bit. And then on offense, the Lions are fifth in EPA per play and the Ravens are 20th. And you know, there's there's reason for optimism. They've had some drops in some areas where you could see them get better. But yeah, I, I know I'm going against a lot of smart people, people that I do respect in this industry. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm taking the Lions plus three here. What is your assessment of uh, the Giants hosting the Commanders? A division game. We've got a backup quarterback in for the Giants. Anything you like in this one? Yeah, I think my assessment is like, are there any good movies on on uh, Netflix? No. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> look, I, I I really do think the under is a potential play here. Uh, like we talked about even as low as it is because Sam Howell's pressure to sack rate is still the highest in the NFL and continues to be a weekly problem. And Daniel Jones has the second worst pressure to sack rate in the NFL. You know, it might might be Tyrod again in this game, which is probably a slight upgrade. I say that half facetiously. I think he just gets the ball out quickly, lets Wandell Robinson go to work and some of those other players. So I don't really have anything strong here. Like, mm-hmm. it's just – it's going to be an ugly, classic NFC East divisional football game. But I do think genuinely this Giants defense has shown a lot the last couple of weeks now. The Seattle game they played really, really well, underratedly well. Uh, and obviously this past week against Buffalo, I thought they played lights out. So, you know, that, that that's it for me. And then Washington, I think their defense turned a corner, and, you know, and, and will continue to play good football. Any other favorite bets for the weekend? Yeah, so uh, a teaser. Uh, you know, you know, I'm not going to come on the show and not mention a long teaser. Hey, come on, that's the Wednesday segment. There's so, so many of them this week. Right. That's, yeah, that's what it's all about. So – uh, and you guys will be surprised because I I think I've faded the Atlanta Falcons every single week this season, whether it's just on the spread or with the teaser, and, and I think it's hit every week. But I actually like Atlanta, teasing them from plus two and a half out to plus eight and a half. You know, I've mentioned I think Tampa are frauds on this show as well. So I think that score that, that game is gonna have, you know, 35 points or less. And the best scenario to do these long teasers is also with low totals. Obviously, it's more meaningful to get a team plus eight and a half points if you think neither team is going to score 20 points in the game. So, like Atlanta out to eight and a half. They have a very good defense. They're going to get Baker Mayfield problems, particularly the interior of that Atlanta defensive line with Grady Jarrett, David Onyemata, a little bit of Calais Campbell. The Bucks tackles are playing great football. Their interior is struggling. I love that matchup. And then the other one is Seattle. Seattle, you know, did not really play great against Cincinnati. We actually look at the underlying numbers. Their success rate was great. They just didn't score points. I like them minus one and a half against the Arizona Cardinals. Good stuff. Good stuff. Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus here each and every Wednesday on BetQL Daily. Brad, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, a little nickel or dime right here on the BetQL Network.